Hey everybody and welcome back to the Jake Podcast. This is episode 32, the Jim Brown episode. Cleveland Brown's great NFL Hall of Famer, some say the best football player of all time. But yeah, it's episode 32, the first of 2018. We've made it to the second calendar year of the Jake Podcast. want to thank all my guests that were on for Jakemas. Had all 12 pods during December leading up to Christmas one after Christmas, and it was so great. With uh, Had a bunch of my cousins on, had my sister on, had some friends on, met some new people, had on a podcast, and uh, it went really well. I, I wanted to try something different. Glad I did. It was a lot of fun. And uh, just to do a little roundup, you know, we asked everybody a bunch of Christmas questions during the pods of Jakemas. Wanted to get a, a feel of what people enjoyed, what they did differently, and uh, what they kind of thought of with Christmas. Uh, Christmas songs, we went over Christmas songs. Uh, no you know, no shock that Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for Christmas was Is You was kind of like the consensus number one uh, when it came to people's favorite Christmas songs. But there were a lot of different ones out there. Uh, my cousin Derek had an interesting uh, Frosty the Snowman rendition. A lot of people had uh, just, you know, Maybe like 80s ones like uh, Elton John's Step Into Christmas was on there. You had Bruce's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You had just like, you know, really old classics like White Christmas or uh, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. So there are a lot of different responses, which I was kind of hoping to see. But yeah, a lot of people leaned Mariah Carey, which is no, no surprise at this point. When it came to favorite movies, again, a lot of variety. A lot of people said uh, Christmas Vacation. Some said A Christmas Story. Elf was said a couple times, and so was Home Alone. Those were kind of the two. But again, it was a little all over the place, which was also fun to see. Uh, the consensus on Die Hard was that it was a Christmas movie. We had, it was like nine and a half, ten votes for, two to three votes against, because there was some wavering, so it was hard to say, but... It was pretty prominent that people thought, if you want to look at Die Hard as a Christmas movie, you can. Uh, not everybody has seen it. You know, the big factor against it was, okay, it came out in the summer. That's not really the time to release a Christmas movie. But took place at a Christmas Eve party on Christmas Eve. The only reason he was there was because it was Christmas and he was visiting. So these are all, you know, like, you know, contributing factors. They played Christmas music and... Uh, I mean, if that's enough, that's enough. It's not exactly about Christmas, but it takes place at Christmas. So, so you know, it, it, I think the bottom line was it is if you want it to be. You know, it's it doesn't really matter. Uh, it is if we want it to be. That's what that's how we leave Die Hard. The traditions were a lot of fun. Had a couple interesting ones. Uh, Mrs. Heine's I thought was really great. The uh, her favorite Christmas tradition was in her family they had bells to ring for the kids to wake up and come downstairs. I thought that was really cool. Uh, Marissa Brainies, uh, her husband, gives her a gift every year when they're decorating the Christmas tree, and it's in an ornament. So every time she hangs the ornament, there's a gift in it. I thought that was pretty cool. And then one that was dear to my heart and close to me was uh, when Derek, my cousin, uh, mentioned the drive out to Ohio, and my sister and I talked about that as well. Because, you know, that's one that I've done every year, you know, my entire life of waking up Christmas morning, exchanging presents, and hitting the road. 
know, that's, that is our Christmas tradition. So uh, I liked that one a lot. So it was really great. I'm so glad I did this. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, thank you everyone for coming on to the podcast and sharing. You know, when, when I went into this, I wanted to get 12 guests. I wanted to get 12 different guests, uh, more so people that about like whether their jobs were different or something a little out there. Uh, I started a little along those lines. I wanted to get people that were, uh, I guess, like a variety. I didn't want to just get family members because I could have easily gotten a bunch of family members, but I wanted to try and get a lot of other people out there, you know, other podcasters. We had a news reporter. We had an artist. We had a medium. We had a lot of different people on. I was glad that we were able to expand it uh, on those lines. So that was pretty cool. So going into 2018, yeah, 2017 is over. Really uh, pumped for 18. I uh, had a great year in 2017 myself because I started this podcast, got this ball rolling. But 2018, I've got a lot of bigger and brighter ideas that I'm hoping to catch on this season. Um, I'm on iTunes. That is brand new. I'm really excited about that. Uh, you can find me still on SoundCloud, but I am also on iTunes as the Jake. So look that up. It's under Sports and Recreation. Subscribe, like it, retweet it, favorite it, share it. Do everything you can on Facebook, Twitter, and now on iTunes and and, and uh, SoundCloud because I'm trying to get out there and uh, and yeah, rate it. Give me a couple stars. It'd be nice if uh, you do that and like it, and that way it gets pushed up and I get a little more notoriety. Nothing wrong with that, right? And this way, you know. Uh, when it comes time to me being like one of those big ballers, shot callers, you can be saying, hey, I was there at the beginning. And yeah, and, and uh, going forward, uh, you can find that. I will share that on my Facebook page as well. So uh, yeah, again, on iTunes as The Jake. Okay, sports and recreation. So yeah, so um, got a little breaking news, breaking Jake news this week. Okay, so enough with Christmas. Christmas is over, but... The winter storm is here. And this Jake News is about winter storms themselves. You know, we've had blizzards and winter storms, right? And you'd think like, okay, just saying there's a really bad blizzard coming through, right, is is enough. But no, that's, that's not enough anymore. Apparently, there's a new phrase out, and this is like, I mean, my favorite. It's called a bomb cyclone. That's what hit Jersey right now. And I'm sure it's hitting other places, but haven't really paid attention to anything outside of New Jersey. It's insane. Uh, I, it, like The winds are crazy. My work was called off early this morning, and then later in the morning I got a call saying that it would be delayed on Friday as well. So it was pretty early that they decided how, how bad this was and that they weren't going to mess around with it. But bomb cyclone, really? Like we need to go above and beyond? I mean, I love it. But, like, isn't this taking a little too far? Like, why do we need this new phrase? It kind of seems completely unnecessary. Just be like, yeah, this is like a level two blizzard. Level three blizzard. Like, why can't we just, like, rate them like that? But, again, I like the phrase. I mean, you took two words that are just pretty awesome or scary and, like, fierce. And you kind of made it like an, you gave this storm, like, an 80s villain character. Bomb cyclone. Like, that's, you know, it's pretty cool. So, Aside from the fact that everyone's like buried in three feet of snow right now. So, and I know that's, you know, not that big of a deal for outside of this area, but in this area, there's a ton of snow. There's got to be like 
there's got to be two feet of snow outside right now. There's two feet of snow like on my stairs, like these covered porches right now. We were shoveling before. My one of my roommates and I woke up this morning. We're like, okay, um, you know, and he he actually went to work, came back. I heard him come inside uh, the the house, and I was like, okay, um, he like I guess his work was canceled. He went all the way out to wall, turned around, came back when they were like, yeah, you don't really need to be here. So he came back. We shoveled out of the house, and in the lawn is two plus feet of snow. And the fact that the wind is blowing the snow everywhere, the cars were just completely covered. So we spent about like 45 minutes, closer to an hour of digging the cars out. So that's pretty much what's going on right now in Jake News. Uh, bomb cyclone hitting the Jersey Shore. I, I, like, you can't make this stuff up. It's pretty great. Okay, so, so a lot of stuff going on, though, this month. You know, I know, you know NFL season is over, and uh, for those who don't follow... Uh, I'm, I, you know, this is going to be a little bit of NFL talk right now. So before we get into the NFL playoffs, and you can skip ahead if you don't follow. Um, if you don't follow the NFL, skip ahead. But if you do, a couple of these things I'm going to talk about real quick, you'll notice. Well, Cleveland Browns fan, the Browns were 0-16 this year. And I know that's, you know, you can't get any worse than that. And it's bad because, well, now, from now on, the Browns will always be discussed as, well, were they the worst team of all time? Which sucks because I didn't even think they were worse than the team they had last year. You know, like last year, they were 1-15. and And I was super bummed about it, but they won their one game, so they weren't going to be the worst team of all time category, right? You know, because they actually got that game. There are winless teams out there, but they got their win. I thought they were really bad, but I liked the promise. I liked that they got a lot of young players at a lot of different positions. They they then built this past offseason upon those positions. Okay, They have a young defensive line that everyone's really excited about and they're really deep at. They've got a couple linebackers, two that played every down this year, and you know one, one of them is a Pro Bowl alternate. The other is kind of like the captain of the defense, and everyone loves him, Chris Kirsty, Chris Kirksey. Uh, and then Joe Schobert didn't miss a snap this year and is a Pro Bowl alternate. And then the one that the third linebacker, one that missed half the season, Jamie Collins, is a former Pro Bowler himself. So right there, the front seven, you're really building something nice. And all of them are pretty young. You know, Collins is like probably close to 30. I think Kirksey's like 26, 27. Everyone else is in their second year or or third year or or were rookies. You know, the entire defensive line was rookie and second-year men. That's how that's how well they've built this defensive front. Now, they need some backup help in the secondary. Uh, I'd like to see them get another corner. I'd like to see them draft a free safety, and, and I'd like to see them use these guys right. And that's the biggest problem I had this year. You know, as much as I was excited about the things that they built, I felt like they didn't know how to use some of these players. felt like... Kaiser, the quarterback, was asked to do way too much. I felt like the running backs and the tight ends were asked to do too little. And they put way too much on Kaiser's hands, throwing it to wide receivers that aren't that good. And it was a big problem. You know, you're supposed to have this good head coach. You know, Hugh Jackson comes in, and he's supposed to know, okay, let's not ask the quarterback to do everything because he's 21 years old, he's a rookie, and he doesn't have a good team around him. Let's not ask him to do everything. And instead, 
they put way too much weight on his shoulders and they throw him under the bus every chance that they could saying, oh, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to get it. It's like, what do you mean if he's ever going to get it? You know, this kid's 21 years old and you're, you're not helping him at all. How about we like help him out first before we throw him under the bus? And I'm glad we played him as much as we did. I'm glad we gave him a lot of opportunities because I wanted to know going into the 2018 draft with all the QBs coming out, all right, are the Browns in need of a quarterback? And it's seeming, you know, it looks like they do. And it looks like number one pick is going to be a quarterback because there's so many guys out. You got the two from L.A., Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, you know, from USC and UCLA. You got Heisman winner from Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. You've got the Louisville former Heisman winner, uh, quarterback, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. And then you have this Wyoming quarterback who not a lot of people know about, but he's got like more arm strength than God, apparently, in Josh Allen. So you got these five quarterbacks that everyone's going to be looking at, and all have declared. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's the only one that hasn't made it official, but it sounds like he's going to. And, you know, Allen declared in September. The two LA kids declared today. Mayfield is a senior. He's coming anyway. So, it, I mean, the Browns are going to have their choice of quarterback. But to be honest, I, I right now I don't even I don't even trust the guys in charge to do this right because you know they set up this quarterback that we had this year to fail by you know running sweet plays with their full steam ahead running back, which went for like loss of eight, and then they would just bury their quarterback right from there. Or they would ask him to throw on first down, and then they'd run an, a predictable play on second down. It was just, I know, I mean, the play calling has to change this year. Because if you draft this fancy new toy at number one as you know a quarterback who you're going to build your franchise around, you need to set him up to do well. I think the Browns really messed up this year with Ninjoku and Peppers by having, okay, you had these two weapons, one on offense, one on defense. They drafted in the first round. Obviously, you thought very highly of them. And uh, and not only that, even if you didn't think very highly of them you know, going in, you say, okay, they're still like one of the most talented players on that side of the ball. So what do they do with Njoku? They barely play him, and they barely throw him passes. And when they do throw him passes, he makes plays. He's a mismatch nightmare. He got four touchdowns this year as a rookie, which was a, like really good for rookie tight ends. They don't usually get four touchdowns yet he still barely saw the field and was backing up guys that he's better at in both you know passing and uh, block or receiving and blocking and with peppers you know he didn't really get to make his mark as a return man which stinks but you know whatever um, you know that's that comes with time and they never played him on offense you know you drafted this switch army knife you're thinking oh man peppers could probably get a rushing touchdown this year they're gonna have him as a wildcat quarterback or something like that. Never played him on offense. Uh, on defense, they usually lined him up 30 yards down the field so bad that it actually became like a running joke amongst Brown's Twitter that like, oh, you know, I saw Jabril Peppers lined up in Lakewood this morning. Or like, uh, hey, did anyone uh, miss is, – is, is anyone missing a Brown safety? He's lined up on my front yard. Like there are so many jokes about that. And it's like it's not the kid's fault because they drafted him and he's just doing what they told him to do. But they stick him out in the middle of nowhere. Then they have corner blitzes and ask him, oh, here, you now need to go track down this wide receiver who's 15 yards away from you. And you have to go and make a tackle while you're running like full speed at him 
it's like they ask him to do way too much. When they finally start playing him towards line, he got a couple sacks against Pittsburgh and he got an interception. And it's like this kid is so talented. Yet on offense and defense, Hugh Jackson, and by the way, that was the first problem, is that there's no offensive coordinator even take some of the blame here. But it's Hugh Jackson who's supposed to be the head coach overseeing all this and said he has to pay more attention to offense. But on offense, it's Hugh Jackson's fault with the play calling. And defense is Greg Williams with these schemes. Like, we have so many talented players, you'd think he'd figure out how to not line up cornerbacks way off the receivers, making it so easy to move the ball downfield in just quick, short passes. It was really frustrating this year. It was, I mean, the most frustrating part of the 0-16 season is definitely that the coaching schemes didn't allow us to win games. And the talent isn't great, but the talent is better than 0-16. They should have won a couple games this year. They should have won, I think, you know, three to four games this year. Coming in, I was a lot hype. I had a lot of hype on this team, and it was sucked from me when when the coaches kind of just, the Jets game stuck out in just horrible calling. But anyway, Browns are 0-16. Uh, I will be more positive on them in the future, but for now, I am not all that positive. I'm just going to have to, you know, take it as it is, you know, in January when it's a tough time to be a Browns fan. But January is not a tough time for the rest of the NFL. A lot of people are fans of NFL teams that aren't the Cleveland Browns, which is great for you because there are 12 teams in the playoffs and eight of them didn't make it last year. We have eight new playoff teams this year. So it's very exciting the amount of turnover you're seeing in the NFL right now. Seeing teams jump up from weren't in it last year. Maybe they were way out of it. Maybe they were you know, really close. Maybe they were in it two years ago, fell out for one year. And now they're back in it. But eight new teams. A, a lot of real, like the Bills are in it for the first time since nineteen like the since the nineties. You have the Jaguars in it for the first time in like a decade. Uh, they're playing each other. The Titans are in. You've got the Chiefs are back. The Patriots and Steelers are all back. Those are really no surprises. Then in the NFC. The only team returning is actually the final team to make it. The Falcons, the bottom seed in the NFC playoffs, return to the playoffs, a chance to make it back to the Super Bowl, but they are the bottom seed. The five teams ahead of them, the Panthers, the Saints, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Eagles, all were on the outside looking in last year. So very cool to see this much turnover because if your team isn't in it this year, it doesn't matter because recent you know showing from the NFL is that Anyone can make it. So, going to throw in a couple comments on each matchup this weekend, and then I'm going to make my predictions for how this is going to all play out. So, the first matchup we got is Bills-Jaguars. I uh, The Bills kind of look really banged up right now. Neither team has any like real NFL playoff experience. They have a couple guys on each team that made it with other teams, but in reality, there isn't much there in terms of like uh just you know and anyone being there before you know just it's just too much fresh blood uh the jaguars are the better team they won 10 games this year they won their division they didn't even have to like try this week they play a safe brand of football and they are mostly healthy the bills are kind of banged up right now 
we'll see coming into this weekend how many guys are ready to roll. But right now it's like McCoy's kind of questionable. You know, Kyle Williams, it seemed like he'll be fine to play, but they just have banged up players everywhere. The Jaguars don't really have a home field advantage. Uh, they, you know, I know they're known as Saxonville, and I think that's going to be a big cause for this game is if they can hold on and win, it would be because of their pressuring the quarterback. If they can contain Tyrod Taylor, I think this could go either way. I think it will be a small scoring game. I think this could be like 17-14, something really low because I think both teams kind of play to that. They will try and play mistake-free football. They're not going to take a lot of chances down the field, and they're going to hammer it running-wise. I think the Jaguars are going to hold on to this game. Uh, I think the three-seed Jacksonville Jaguars will beat this, uh, beat the Bills, let's say, 2013. I think it will be a pretty good game for the most part, but I think Jacksonville's defensive front will be able to contain Tyrod Taylor in the running game. Don't think the Bills will be able to muster that many points. And I think the Jaguars will be able to get just enough. Maybe they force some some turnovers. I know that's not really how the Bills play, but Jacksonville's defense is that good. So I have the Jaguars moving on to round two, where they will meet with the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the other game, I have the Chiefs and the Titans. Uh, another game where... You know, I don't really know much about the Titans. They're, they're a weird team. They sat a lot of guys this past week. Uh, they had just had to win and get in, and they beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville this past week. Uh, so they, you know, congratulations to them. They The Bills needed a lot of help to get in, but the Titans, they just needed to win themselves. And they got the five seed, which probably not people, a lot of people were thinking would happen. They probably thought the Ravens would get the five seed. So the Titans traveled to Kansas City, who has been, the most like Jekyll and Hyde team this year because I can easily see this the Chiefs putting up like close to thirty points and just routing the Titans. Um, but also they've played at times this year so poorly that it's you know coming to question you know what are you going to see out of them? I think the Chiefs, being the team that they've been the last few years, they're an experienced team. Alex Smith has been there now for a couple of years. I think they're going to win this one with ease over the Titans. I think this is going to look more along the lines of 24-10. Um, again, you never know what you're going to see with this Chiefs team, but I think uh, if you can get a big play touchdown from Tyreek Hill, if you can get kind of the running game you saw from Kareem Hunt and his offensive line from the first five weeks of the season, you're going to see just a Chiefs team ready to roll. And I think they go back to New England for round two. And that would be really interesting because New England lost at home to Kansas City to start the season in a pretty like epically fashion. And it was a lot of people, you know, were finally taking notice of the Chiefs. Now they didn't finish the year like that. But you know, it'll be really interesting because people will be talking about that matchup a lot. And then on the other side of the bracket is the Jaguars and the Steelers, and the Jaguars beat the Steelers earlier this season. In Pittsburgh, so it'll be really interesting to see those two matchups again, and I kind of hope that happens. Going over to the NFC, um, you've got Rams Falcons. Now, I think this is a bad matchup for the Rams, who, you know, they're getting the Falcons at home. Falcons are lucky to be playing a warm weather team. I think this would hurt 
if they were going to a Seattle where they would have to go north where it would be a little colder, or if they're going to Philly, or if they're going to any of the teams in the north. You know, I think the, the Falcons got a little lucky here by playing there. And I think this is actually a really nice matchup for the Falcons because of the fact that, A, the Rams are a brand new playoff team. No one has been there. Uh, most of this team is, it's like the youngest team in the NFL. They're, the I think, the second youngest team in the NFL, maybe the first youngest. Uh, so it's a very inexperienced team. They have some very good players. If they can block, uh, if, if they can stop the Rams front, I think they're going to do well. They play very fast football, and so do the Rams. And I think that that it really hurts the Rams because if they're playing a team like the Panthers who like to slow it down, they can beat them over the top. They can beat them around the edges. And, and I just don't see that happening with Atlanta because Atlanta can match them in each department. Now, Atlanta has looked worse at times this season. You know, Rams were consistent the whole way through. We're very consistent and very good from week one. But the Falcons are more of like that, like, beep, beep, beep. Like, like they can go up and down. And I think, I think that's going to happen this week. I think the Falcons are going to go to L.A. And I think they're going to win. Matt Ryan's never won a playoff game away from home. I think that changes this year. This team is too experienced right now. They have speed at every position. They not only have you know one of the best receivers in the NFL and Julio Jones, but they also have like a, an interesting core of tight ends that will be able to spread the field down the middle. They have wide receivers like Sanu and Taylor Gabriel that are also going to be able to to add in some speed. And their running game, they have two running backs that are helpful. So I think on offense, you know, the Rams are going to have their hands full with this Falcons offense. And on defense, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, the Falcons' speed can match up well with the Rams. This is actually a really tough matchup for the Rams. And I think the Falcons win this one, I'm going to say 27-23. I think it's going to be... A high-scoring game. I actually, you know, I think I'm going to say in the 30s. I'm going to say this one is 34 to 30. That's how I see this one going. Falcons win 34-30. I think you're going to be like, wow, where where was this Falcons team all season? But they had to get hot towards the end of the year to make the playoffs, and they did. And I think you see that a lot going into the playoffs. Is that team that's hot stays hot, and I think they're going to win in LA. The final matchup is Saints Panthers. Look, I'll be honest, very last few weeks from the Panthers, I do not like what I've seen from them. They have no speed at receiver. They're a very one-dimensional offense. Cam Newton the last couple weeks has not been that great. They've just run the ball. I think the Saints are set up nicely to play the Panthers. Uh, this will be in a dome. You know, the Saints have a pretty good home field advantage, but in terms of when the Panthers are on offense, I don't see them doing a whole lot against the Saint defense that people don't realize is actually really good that don't think they're going to really be able to move the ball through the air. And I think they're going to have to try and do that because the Saints offense is so good. This one I think is actually going to be the, oh man, I say I think it's going to be the biggest blowout of the weekend, but it could end up not being a blowout at all. It could be a tight game because there are two teams that are fighting for the division crown going into the final week of the season before the Panthers kind of blew it. In New Orleans, I think the Saints, I think they put up something like 30 points, maybe like 34, 35 points. 
and I think the Panthers only get to about like 17. I think this could be like 35-17. I think it would be a big blowout for the Saints. So that would mean the Falcons go to Philadelphia, and then the Saints play in the Dome at Minnesota, where the Super Bowl will be played in a few weeks. So that should be very interesting. Um, those matchups, that Minnesota-New Orleans matchup, I think will be really good if that ends up happening. And the the Bird matchup, the Eagles and Falcons, that should be a really cold one in two weeks if that ends up happening. And I mean, depending upon the weather, that can be really bad for Matt Ryan. If it slows, if the weather is bad, slows down both quarterbacks. I like the Eagles in that matchup. But assuming those are the final teams, I'm gonna make my Super Bowl prediction right now. I I mean, I hate to admit it, I think the Steelers are gonna end up making it pretty far. I think they get past the Jaguars. I think we're going to see an AFC Championship game of Steelers-Patriots, which everyone is predicting. I don't see anyone messing with it, and I hope someone does because I look, the Browns are 0-16 this year. The only thing that can make it worse is just, you know, aside from them doing anything too internally to, like, ruin them more, the only thing, the cherry on top of this shitstorm would be the Steelers winning the Super Bowl. I think they have a balanced team that they can get there. They're all kind of like doing this for Ryan Shazier right now. I think this could be like a like kind of like a momentum thing for them. Again, the Patriots, apparently tomorrow we're going to hear something about like a rift between Belichick, Brady, and Kraft, which is crazy because everyone likes to promote them as like the best and the Patriots do everything the best and they have the best owner, they have the best coach they're the best quarterback why would anything be ever wrong there so i'm really interested to read that piece that's going to come out tomorrow on the patriots but i think they end up making it to the super bowl i think they kind of just use that as fuel and they'll eventually get there again everyone likes to kind of say the steelers patriots is kind of like a battle right now and it's not really like the patriots have won all of them like i don't think the steelers have beaten them in like 10 years it's it's wild maybe it's you know, maybe it hasn't been 10 years, but, like, in the last, like, 10 years, it's been such a one-sided affair. It's crazy. So, we'll see how that goes. I think Patriots get out of the AFC. And I think in the AFC, I think it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Wentz injury is really going to hurt the Eagles. You know, they're going to rely on Nick Foles at some point in this playoff. And I think it's just going to be a little not enough. And, uh, and Minnesota is such a balanced team. They've done it with different quarterback each week. You know, or not each week, but they've done it with multiple diff- multiple quarterbacks this year. They have a great defense, like a Super Bowl contending defense. They have a couple wide receivers that can make plays. They have a tight end who's great, and they have a running game that's really balanced. They don't rely on one guy. They don't have a lot of superstars on their team, but they're such a balanced team that I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to represent Skull Nation in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is played in Minnesota. That'll be really cool. It's never happened before that a team played in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. And then when it comes down to the big game, the Super Bowl itself, it, I just can't pick against the Patriots. It sucks to say that. I hope. I'm really rooting for the Minnesota Vikings this year kind of rooting for the Eagles as bad as some of their fans can be sometimes and annoying and obnoxious. There are a lot of 
uh, fans that I like and that I would root for them and I would root for their team and I want to see them happy. So I'm hoping the Vikings win the Super Bowl. I would like to see the Eagles win. The Chiefs are another one. I, I have no animosity towards the Chiefs. I kind of like the way they run business. But everything's pointing Patriots right now. Even when it's bad, it just seems like it's going well. So that's how I see the NFL playoffs shaking out. Uh, I, if you disagree, if you want to comment, go ahead and uh, let me hear how you think the NFL playoffs will shake out for your team and uh, maybe give uh, me your Super Bowl picks, not just the picks this weekend. Okay, so since, uh, you know, we've done a different thing the month of December, I didn't do any movie reviews, but I did see a couple movies I thought you'd like to hear about, so I'm going to do a double movie review right now, and the first movie I'm starting with is going to be Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Yeah. Okay, so not everybody's a big Star Wars fan. And I am a big fan. I'm not as big a fan as many of the people out there. Those, like, you know, they're, everyone gets the whole, like, oh, there are a lot of crazy Star Wars fans. But, you know, there's a reason it's one of the highest grossing film franchises ever. It's got parks named after them. They've got rides. They've got toys. It, like, you know, Star Wars is grossing. It's it's huge. So every time that someone's like making fun of like Star Wars nerds, like you know, why don't you check yourself? Why don't you relax a little bit? But I thought it was great. A lot of people wanted to criticize it. Uh, you know, it's saying like, oh, you know, it was way too hyped up. It was too Disney. You know, and, and a you gotta accept that. But b at the end of the day, you go to the movies to see a Star Wars movie. You want to see some lightsaber battles. You want to see some cool stuff with X wings you know, fights in outer space, and that's what the movie was. It was a lot of fun. They didn't make it predictable. Uh, there were a couple things that you could have seen coming if you, you know, kind of dive into it deep, and not even if you were diving into it all that deep, but they could have, at multiple times, mimicked the original trilogy. And that was one thing that a lot of people were thinking they might do or hoping they wouldn't do. And I think they did a good job of avoiding making it just like A New Hope and Empire. Uh, they There were some things that were similar, but I think they ended it well, and they went a different direction where it wasn't exactly like they were going to introduce a brand new bad guy. Uh, Kylo Ren is the main bad guy for the final movie, but the way that they set it up is that, you know, there's this struggle between him and Rey. I think it's I think it was really well done. I think every, all the actors were really good, and I think... Uh, this could go either way, you know, come the end of this next movie, which comes out in 2019, the end of 2019. But, if you know, just for a one-minute movie review, I think it was really great. I think there, you know, a lot of people want to criticize it for being too Disney, and I think that's the big one right now. You know, people didn't like it, you know, so what? But I went to the movies to see a Star Wars movie, and it was really good. I'm going to see it again. I'd like to give it its full review after I see it again. But for now, you know, A-plus movie, I think uh, it's one of my favorites. It, it, I don't think it's better than Rogue One. I really liked Rogue One because they were given a, a set like, hey, it has to end at this point, you know, because it's an in-between movie. You know, it started at one point and it had to end, you know, with A New Hope. You know, it ended right there. I think they did such a good job in Rogue One. So I don't think it's as good as Rogue One, but it's such a good movie. 
I'm going to have to compare it to some of the old ones going forward. Might have to do a little binging. But a new, a new, a new hope. <laughs> Force Awakens. Nope, not Force Awakens. The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, Star Wars. Great movie. A plus. Well done. Bonus one minute movie review, though. Really excited about this new movie. I saw it last week with my friend Owen. We went to go see The Disaster Artist, starring James Franco. Uh, we went to the. A, we went to the. Uh, showroom in Asbury Park. Don't really get to go there a whole lot because it's only two screens. But theirs is a really cool spot right there. They have, you know, usually some of the less blockbuster ones, right? So it's like Lady 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 Bird, I think it's called. And they got the post coming up soon. Right now they've got Disaster Artist for I think a couple more days. But I thought it was really good. So it's about Tommy Wiseau, who is like the most mysterious man in Hollywood, who was just doing film classes in San Francisco, but he had an apartment in LA, and he like grew fond of this young kid, uh, this guy named Greg that was like 19 at the time. And we never, here's the thing, we never know Tommy Wiseau's real age. We don't know how he got all this money, and we, we don't know where he's from. And they, and they make fun of that during the movie, and they still don't know today. This happened in the late 90s when this all started, and the movie came out in like 2002, 2003. It's called The Room. He funded the movie himself. He hired Greg to be kind of him, and Greg were like the main actors. you got to check out this movie. It's like historically bad. You know, it, it was an absolute disaster. The way that he wrote it all himself, he wanted to do it all himself. He hired a bunch of people, spent way too much money on the set and everything. Everyone was surprised that, you know, their money and their checks all went through because they're like, this guy's got to be a fraud somehow. But, you know, they, they mentioned in the movie that his account is basically this bottomless pit and they have no idea how he got his money, how he's able to pay all these people. He says he's from New Orleans, but he sounds like he's Eastern European. And he lied about his age, saying he's like Greg's age, which is like 19, 20, 21 years old at the time. And he's clearly like a guy in his 40s. So it would be really interesting if this ever comes out. But at the end of the movie, they pointed out, you know, James Franco worked really hard with Tommy to make sure he got the character right. This movie was based on the book written by Greg. Uh, and I forget the guy's last name. Like Cicero, maybe that was it. And... The, you know, the book that Greg wrote was the thing that got James Franco really into it because he had heard of the movie, he's seen the movie, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy, it's weird, but he didn't think there was much of a story behind it. Then he read this book, and he's like, this is the story, I gotta play this guy. I think James Franco did a really good job. He doesn't get enough credit for being a really good actor because James Franco takes on some really weird roles sometimes, but he puts a lot into it, and I think that's probably why he wanted this role so badly because he can relate to Tommy Wiseau. And I think he did a really good job. I think The Disaster Artist, not a movie I'm going to see again, but it's like a, I think everyone would enjoy it a little bit because it's a bit out there. It's a, it's a bit weird. You can wait for it to come on, you know, DVD or, you know, wait for it to reach Netflix or DirecTV or whatever because. You know, it's not like a Star Wars movie where you want to see it in theaters. Uh, I saw it in theaters because I had nothing better to do on a Saturday afternoon. My friend and I were like, hey, let's go get $10 tickets and go enjoy a movie. Nothing wrong with that. 
So, disaster artists, um, I don't know, I'm going letter grades today. I'm going to give it like a, a B to a B plus because, right, you know what, actually I'm going to give a B plus A minus because it was a really cool story. I thought the acting was really well done. Uh, I was, I was just, you know, it's a solid A to me. I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it an A to A plus. It was a great movie because I have no complaints about it. It was a really cool story. I think the actors really delivered. I thought the writing of the story, of the story, of the movie, you know, it's tough to do a movie like that, but I think they delivered. I think it was really well done. And at the end of the movie, they did a lot of side-by-side -side scenes uh, of The Room and then James Franco's version of The Room that was in this movie. And it was spot on. It was deadly accurate. And I... Just everything was really great. Everything seemed accurate and everything seemed like authentic at the same time. It was very cool. So yeah, congrats on the one minute movie review bonus take. How happy that everybody got a little extra one this week because you know you've been all you know also very good listeners this year and uh, you know you deserve an extra one minute movie review after a Decemberless you know a December without these. Sorry. My, my vocab's a little off right now. I'm a little tired. It's almost midnight on Thursday night, and uh, I'm just I'm exhausted. So before I go, all right, we got, we got a couple minutes left. want to mention one last thing before we, uh, we take off, and it's the college football playoffs. You know that college football is my favorite sport. I, I love college football. If, if everyone's like, oh, you're a big Browns fan. I'm a big Indians fan. I'm a big Cavs fan. I'm big fans of all those teams, but... If I had to watch one sport, it would be college football. And bowl season was a lot of fun this year. It was fun to see the Big Ten do so well. I saw Ohio State looked really well against USC. And their matchups were good. It's not like these matchups were, weren't any good. You know, Penn State looked really good against Washington. Wisconsin looked really good against Miami. Yeah, and, uh, and, and Ohio State looked really good against USC. Those were the big three that stuck out the most because those were the three big Big Ten teams. Michigan lost to USC, uh, South Carolina. That is not Southern Cal, which Ohio State beat, uh, which which was you know disappointing because they shouldn't have lost that game. They had no you know business losing that game. It was bad coaching towards the end. If it weren't for that loss, the Big Ten would have been undefeated this bowl season, and I think they showed that the Big Ten conference was really good this year. And the SEC didn't do all that well until it came to New Year's Day when they went 3-0, and of course, uh, or 3-1, and when South Carolina won and then Auburn lost to UCF, which was a great game, but it showed maybe Auburn wasn't as good. They just had a you know big wins against Georgia and Alabama. And that's the thing that sucks this whole year is that you see teams like Auburn that show up for big games, but then don't show up for other games. You know, they still ended up the season with like four losses. So they lost a lot of really good teams, but I think this was a tough year to see two SEC teams in the playoff and then eventually make it to the national championship. It sucks because the SEC wasn't all that good this year. And there, this would have been a great year to have a UCF in. It would have been a great year to have a Big Ten champion in, in Ohio State, you know, not a lot to complain about because Alabama is possibly the best team in the country. But this, you know, four-team setup right now is tough. 
because Clemson and Oklahoma were definitely going to make it over Ohio State, and Georgia was the SEC champion, so they deserved to make it. And then Alabama, only one loss to Auburn, kind of seemed like they deserved to be in it too. And of course, Georgia beats Oklahoma in a game that I can only say was an absolute classic that Oklahoma kind of screwed the pooch at the end. I mean, with a minute left in a tie game, they kind of, I didn't love the play calling. I would have liked to see Baker Mayfield work the middle of the field more. Instead, they kind of took the ball out of his hands by making him throw that wheel route on the sideline where he was so the running back was so covered that mm-hmm. Baker just threw it past him and said, like, you know what, I'm not throwing an interception here. Let's play for overtime. And in overtime, they never gave, never gave Mayfield the chance to go win the game. I was so bummed with the calling. I thought, man, you had a chance to go out there and make it to the national championship. All you had to do was do better than a field goal. Because in the first overtime, Georgia got a field goal. It's like, all right, go out there and do better. They kicked the field goal to tie when they could have went for it. They, even the call, the calling, the play calling before the field goal was shitty. And in the second overtime, you know, again, they should have went for it, but they go for another kick. And everyone could feel it going into the kick. They're like, this just doesn't feel like it's going to work out for Oklahoma. I feel like they're going to lose this game if they kick a field goal. And, of course, the kick was blocked. Two plays later, Georgia runs it in for a touchdown. And it was like, yeah, saw that coming. That was unbelievable. Oklahoma had every chance, and they blew it. It was a real bummer because I wanted to see one more game of Baker Mayfield and see him go up against Alabama, who crushed Clemson. You know, Clemson, you realize this year, you're like, wow, they are just not this. Alabama? Kind of seems like the same team they were last year. The team that was so close to winning the national championship, being undefeated and all that. And, and it turns out they're like the same team. And Clemson, not the same team. They have some really good players, but they are not the same team they were last year. And they, and you know, bottom line is they don't have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. You know, a guy that was absolutely tremendous throughout his college career and was tremendous his rookie season before going down with an injury. You know, you take that out, you can't just replace it with a guy who's similarly athletic but doesn't have, like, the reputation that Deshaun Watson has. So, you know, so, you know Kelly Bryant, I'm not trying to, like, shit on the guy, but he's not Deshaun Watson. So it was no surprise to me when Alabama and Georgia got there because I'm like, damn, this is going to be an all-SEC final in a year that the SEC wasn't even that good. And the Big Ten was so good and yet got left out. It was just... A lot of head scratchers. Going forward, this is going to be very interesting. Um, I got to talk to a couple of college football's finest. Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler, Desmond Howard, Eddie George, Tim Tebow, and the great Archie Griffin. A lot of Heisman Trophy winners there. I got to take a couple photographs with them, got to meet them, got to know them. All really nice people. I really wanted to hear a lot of different subjects when I was talking to each of them. You know, I, I wasn't really trying to pick Archie Griffin's brain about the current landscape. And the same with Tebow. I wanted to hear more about Tebow's you know, run in college, not about what now. But when I went to Kirk Herbstreet, you know, who's plugged into college football, I said, what's the, what's the most important aspect? And he's like, to be honest, I don't really know. You know if you, and this is about play, playoff teams. It's like, I don't really know. Uh, there's a new case for every single team. You know, we thought that championship is the most important. Yeah, cool, that's awesome. But two straight years, Big Ten champ left out. 
right? So how important is it? And it seems like big losses keep you out. And that's bad for a team like Ohio State that looks so good at times, but then they kind of give up one week against Iowa. And it's like, you know, they could have crawled back into that game, but they kind of just didn't care. And they just lost. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We'll get them next week. We can still win the Big Ten. And I think teams are now realizing you need to look great all season long because they'll just give your spot to someone else who's looked more consistent. And I think uh, I think we learned that the most in terms of just you know playoff teams, playoff caliber. And it was really interesting. They all had something really interesting to say. I'll go into that more a little bit later this month when uh, maybe after the championship. That'll be a good time to go into it. I'm not even that excited for the Georgia-Alabama SEC. The SEC championship everyone wanted to see. If Alabama had just beaten Auburn to get to the SEC championship, and then it was Georgia versus Alabama, even if Georgia won that game, like I, it, so many things could have gone differently if Alabama ha- handled Auburn. But Auburn, the team that seemed like they didn't belong in this discussion, beat Alabama, got into the discussion, and it just bumped everybody down a peg, and that's what kept Ohio State out. And I think Ohio State kind of deserved the spot in the top four, but then again, you know, everyone else did too. It was a weird year, and uh, it's going to be a weird finish with this All-SEC final. I'm more likely going to just watch The Bachelor, which I'm so excited for this year. I think this opening Bachelor night was so much fun. You got to meet a lot. Like So going in, right, I had Sarah Swannerton on a couple weeks ago on a pod of Jakemas, and we talked about all the Bachelor candidates. And I had a lot of thoughts on, you know, and we didn't watch anything at that point. We had only seen their headshot and their bio thing, which the bios can be anything because they're just answering the same questions. And it's like, oh, do you like the notebook and Titanic? And, oh, cool, she's a sports fan because she likes Remember the Titans. It's like, oh, God, it's the same shit every year with these guys. But Ari seems really into a lot of these girls. A lot of them made really impressive first impressions, okay? So, you know, just to take a look at a couple, okay, I've got, so I actually went on like a Twitter rant when Ari was meeting all of the girls, and I thought it was a lot of fun, so uh, go check out my Twitter feed, at JakerBaker58, and I was, uh, I was watching on Tuesday the 2nd. So that's when, uh, if you go to my Twitter feed that night, that's when it'll all be up. But I kind of went crazy going watching that and, you know, just tweeting, live tweeting my thoughts on the interactions. And he had a lot that he really liked. And uh, here are a couple that I point out. And I don't want to get too far into them because I still have to do my um, fantasy reality television draft where we, I mean, basically just became the Bachelor draft where we draft these girls based on points. But here are a couple that he really liked. Um, First of all, he gave Chelsea, the single mom, the first impression rose because A, she was mysterious, which was like code for she didn't want to tell him about her having a kid. And she was like really avoiding that and was basically just choosing to be silent at weird times. And he was like, wow, you're mysterious. I like that. And it's like, 
okay, uh, <laughs> all right, fine. And then later she didn't like that she didn't get enough time with him, so she went back to him, which is like, you know, I mean, that happens every single season on The Bachelors. One girl goes up and was like, I didn't get enough time, I'm going back. And there are like six girls are like, I didn't get to see him at all. And guess which six girls are going home? The six he didn't talk to. So, you know, not surprising there. We we saw Bachelor play-by-play. Play. You know, that's, that's by the book right there, so... Uh, good on Chelsea for getting the first impression, Rose, after uh, forcing her way into seeing him twice. Uh, Caroline was the first one out of the car, which, you know, everyone knows the first one out of the limo is usually uh, a contender or someone that's around for a good amount of time. I don't know why that is. Maybe, you know, they just, like, lined her up ahead of time and was like, this girl's going to be around, so we know. And she looked really good. She wore a white dress, which, you know, it's like, okay, that's... You know, a bit presumptuous, but hey, it worked. She looked great, and uh, she made a nice real estate joke that he liked. It was like an A+. Plus. Uh, the trainer, Crystal, he had like gaga eyes over. He was going like he, you could tell, was really into her. He liked multiple Laurens. Uh, Lauren S. and Lauren B. Uh, really stuck out as girls that he like watched walk away for a good amount of time. And that's, you know, a good indicator of someone that he really wants to get into know more. Uh, Crystal, uh, did I say Crystal? Crystal looked great and really like, like when she walked out, he was like, whoa, hi, hey, hello, nice to see you. Becca M, we can see in the preview that she's going to be a contender this season just based on her craziness alone. So again, there are a lot to go into this year, but on first impressions alone, we're really setting up for a lot of just drama between Chelsea and Becca, Becca and Crystal. There's going to be a lot going forth. Lots of tears being shown. Uh, Chris says it's the most dramatic season yet, which he has never said before, and he's always said that. So again, I mean, I'm just really excited for another year of The Bachelor. And, I, you know, last year I only got to talk about Bachelor in Paradise and Bachelorette on the podcast. This year... We are finally getting to talk about The Bachelor. I'll have Sarah Swen on. I'll have Tom Scotto on. We will talk Bachelor going forward. We will talk more about playoffs going forward. And, I, you know, we're going to have a lot of new things this year. We're going to make the Jake a little different. I, I don't want to just keep it to the same old stuff that I always do. So um, be sure to comment on this. Let me know what you think, what you want me to bring back up what you want me to talk about more i don't want to do just the same old stuff that i've always been doing so i'm really open to a lot of uh people's thoughts and opinions and what we could do going forward maybe do you want it out on a certain date you know right now i'm kind of flexible with you know when i put out my podcast i usually you know do it thursday nights and that's what i'm doing right now so you know if you have an opinion on that let me know uh again it's good to be back. I know we did a little differently in December, but hey, we're back to regular schedule. Episode 32, this was a blast. Thank you all for listening, and uh, be sure to subscribe and rate. Give me some five stars so uh, you know my rating can go up and I can get super popular and famous from this. So again, thank you very much. God bless, and I will see you all next week.
Cause